Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. So here we are, tour coach from Doral, from the Holiday Inn Express. I've treated everybody pretty good. Special guest tonight, Ryan Mokay from Australia. Came all the way over, I would say across the pond, but it's bigger than a pond. And we've got Morgan Hale joining us. Morgan's going to talk a lot tonight. We got Dr. Greg Carton. We got Wayne O'Dreno, Wayne Flint. We got Hack, Mark Hackett joining us. Hack, how you doing, bud? Doing fantastic. All right. And so this, we're doing a retreat down here at Doral at the Rick Smith Performance Center. And uh, so I kind of wanted to start this off. So Ryan, you, you, first of all, talk about why you came from Australia over to the States to observe and and talk a little bit about what you've seen first. You, you watched Dana Dahlquist. Yeah. I would like to hear a little about that. And then talk about what you saw today, how it compared to what you've seen before. It couldn't have compared to anything you've seen before, <laughs> especially dinner tonight. And then then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I mean, you know, once COVID kind of calmed down a little bit, um, I thought I'd take the take the opportunity to, um, to come on over and... Um, see some of the best coaches in in america i've also got one of my players over here gavin fairfax who's trying to pre-qualify for right. corn ferry tour and, and pga tour so we need to get him a live deal for you yeah i know wouldn't that be good right. i'll work the percentage deal for you <laughs> <laughs> but um so we both kind of you know came up with a bit of a plan he can um you know he would come over and try and pre-queue and i'd help him out with the coaching part of things and caddying and then you know, I'd do my thing with the with the coaches. So yes, it's been great so far. So you know, we're a month in, two more to go. So yeah, it's been it's been exciting. So talk about you saw Dana first. Yeah, went went and saw Dana and did his two day um, certification. And did you really? Yeah, yeah. So that I'm was... going to do a one day do sleeper certification. You should. It's only going to cost you one ninety nine. You should. <laughs> okay, but go ahead. No, anyway. So what what was that like? Tell us. About no, that, that was amazing. So obviously following... Dana's really good dude. I don't know yeah. if any of you Dana's yeah, one of my favorite guys out there. Yeah. Crazy talented, passionate about what he does. Yeah. Wayne said this one time we were listening to a somebody I forget who it was, but it's like. I think one of the things that's most important is like when you hear somebody and regardless of whether you agree with everything or whatever they say or what, but when they're 100% passionate about what they do and believe. That's a great teacher. Right. That's a great teacher, right? You don't have to believe it. You don't have to agree with it. But if they're passionate about it, that's a great teacher. Right. Right. So now go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a lot of force production stuff. Um, obviously, he has a, a, a huge background in the Morad stuff. So, um, you know, that was interesting. Yeah, but Dana, Dana has his own way of, of looking at the golf swing, and it's always good to see, you know, everyone's different in, in regards to the coaching coaching aspect and what they like to see in the golf swing and what they don't like to see. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing I took from Dana was, obviously, he works with, I think it's Drew and Josh, the, the two long drive guys. Yeah. So, watching those guys hit driver and, and how they produce, um, you know, force and, and power in their golf swing is really good. Obviously, in this day and age, with with coaching the way it's going, 
power is going to be a big thing. I mean, you saw the college tournament not long ago. I think someone was at 193 ball yeah. speed, you know. Might have been a hair higher even. Yeah, 196 The kid maybe, from Oklahoma, yeah. wasn't it? That, that's correct, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if that's college if that's college kids now, I mean, now, you know, the, the term moving forward is going to be, yeah, if you're not swinging 125 soon, it's you're going to be left behind. So yeah. being able to teach players how to produce you know, speed and force is, is, I think, critical in coaching moving forward, definitely. I was talking to Wayne and to Greg the other day. There's a guy, an agent, whatever, and, and a kid from North Carolina had been referred to me. This guy's helping. And, and they were like, all they care about is this guy can hit it a long way, right? Mm. But I was like, I was saying, I was actually saying to Jackson Court, I was like, I mean, we got six guys that can all hit it that far, right? Like, just being a kid that can hit it far now isn't necessarily that big a deal. And parents and people get like, oh, this guy's got high club and speed, ball speed. Like, Justin Burroughs is who I'm, I mean, Justin Burroughs, that kid's going to go to Columbia. Like, he's up there in the 190s, right? Like, there's so, and Morgan teaches some young kids that are, they can swing it fast. But all of us, have these kids like so to me we're all having kids that can swing it pretty hard now right you got to be able to do it yeah but like just being a kid that can move it right now to me is not that big a deal like because i think most of them are all learning things early that are able to do it from what the stuff that we're learning to teach absolutely yeah i think it's a natural thing now i think you know kids are coming out and swinging it swinging it fast just straight off the bat Mm -hmm. so it's going to be interesting. Well, what would you think of day one with us? And be honest, I mean, you can let it fly. No, it was it was amazing. It was something different that I haven't seen before, obviously with, with how you work in a team environment. You've got trainers and you know, movement people here and you know, psychologists and all that kind of stuff. And um, So it, it's... We have to find something for Greg to do. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was... Um, yeah, I was quite surprised at kind of the lack, not the lack of, that's probably not the right word, but uh, the, you could say. the, I guess, using you know, the golf club in a way, like the positional aspect of the golf club and where that is, there wasn't a lot of that, which, which I think is quite refreshing. You know, it was, all, it was all done via the movements of the body. I guess the biggest takeaway I, I took away today was how much of an influence the body is to, to, to your golf swing. I mean, we all know as coaches, you know, if you, if you physically can't do something, that's going to kind of, you know, it's not going to be great for your golf swing, but a lot of the times I think we try and work around that. Whereas today I, I really kind of realised how important the body is and you know, without it, without being able to produce the movements and, and things you're after, it's really difficult to, to stabilise and balance in your golf swing and make the movements you're trying to make. So I think before we turn it over to everybody else, like the one thing that like when a day like today never it always amazes me is like how many things like in the top of the backswing and different things that you can clean up from getting the body to move better and and as teachers sometimes we focus so much on positions and getting Mm -hmm. the club to a certain place and we work a bunch on a guy tucking his arm here trying to get the club pointed here and how much of that if they to me if they have a good grip to where the hands work correctly and your arm will fold correctly and then you get the body to function and move the right way, mm. how kind of the club goes where we would all 
theoretically say it's kind of yeah. supposed to go, right? Like, I mean, to me, with Patrick, that was interesting, right, right. a bunch of them. What? I mean, a lot of the people today, like the little across the line or the little dumped off or whatever, like yeah. when you start getting the body to work better, it's pretty interesting. I always say that I think the arms go where they're told to go. And, you know, if your body does, your hands and wrists do a good job and your body does a good job, you're, between the two of those things, your arms kind of go where they're supposed to go. Yeah. And, you know, trying to find positions and, you know, static places where you want to try to put your arms at the top of the backswing, a lot of times that can get a little tricky or, you know, really not work too good sometimes, you know. And I understand why people are trying to do it. They're trying to get everything to look right and be right. You know, they're doing it with good intention. But a lot of times those are effects that, that yeah. happen because of other things doing their job better. What do you think about everybody just being all together the way it was and rotating? And the, it kind of is a group atmosphere. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah man, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, everyone enjoyed themselves today. Not, you know, nobody... Nobody kind of was like, oh, you know, I'm not getting enough time with the coaches or anything like that. I always worry about that in yeah. this format. Of course. I've told you a bunch of times, like, I feel like this guy might not be getting enough. You and I talk. But I also think that all the teachers have a pretty good instinct. Hack, I know you, I've seen you sense when a guy might be standing there too much and you jump in. And Morgan, you're the same. Like, you jump in. Like, I feel like, you know, the teachers have a sense. But for the most part, I feel like everybody kind of, it's different. Yeah. Different than the traditional lesson, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I, I can't. I can't fault it. It was. It was amazing. And you know what Kobe said about strength. Yeah. Like the fact that women are more flexible, but they can't create the speed. The strength. I thought that was a pretty good important. point, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Kobe had said. Kobe had said like somebody brought up something about speed, and Kobe was like, well, it doesn't have anything to do with flexibility because he was like such and such some lady girl whatever most flexible person you've ever seen but they don't have any speed yeah speed comes from strength and the ability to use the ground and i thought that was a pretty important moment you were standing we were all yeah, standing I thought, in there. I thought that was great right right and because there's this notion that i mean obviously flexibility morgan you could talk on that too like Flexibility is important, but strength is what creates speed. Right, right. Having flexibility and mobility first, building strength on top of that is how you produce the most power, for sure. And stability to me is one of the things that like people overlook. I think they look at I think they look at st mobility and stuff like that, but I don't think people pay near enough attention to stability. Yeah. Like and the stuff like when you put people on un one leg. The one leg stuff to me is what always blows my mind, how we can take people that are what we would say are relatively good athletes. Like, I mean, they're phys more physically active than me, right? And uh, which is a lot. But well, look at today, the kid Patrick Mark. I, I don't yeah, yeah no, you can say his name. Fit, tall, strong, young kid. Couldn't do the stuff Kobe was on one leg. Yeah. And I had a kid like that today, yeah. too. And they think they're stable. So you put them on one leg and ask them to move. It's amazing. Right. And, and that happens every time Kobe does it. doesn't matter who it is. Right. Yeah, they can't do it. And, and I talked to him at dinner tonight, and I said, you know, you and Drew, I mean, Patrick and Drew were first-timers time, first timers in front of Kobe. And I said, you, you guys did exactly the same as everybody does first time in front of Kobe. Right. I mean, it, it's very Never seen a kid stand up there for the first time and, and, and kill those exercises. Just kill it. And they all, you know, I mean, they Patrick works off hard. He's, he's strong Young as kid. he can be. And a good player. And, and a great player. And, but, but 
not as functional as he needed to be. You know, and, and that's you know part of why I wanted those you know my guys to come down here. You know, to to get in front of that. And and, and he was you know he was like, oh, man, I did terrible. And I was no, you did great. I mean, you you actually got through the thing. I mean, some, sometimes people can't get through. Yeah, but the terrible thing would be if you didn't go through it and get something out of it. You know, or you think you're okay. I mean, right. to me, the good thing is to see that you got a deficiency, right. or that you got to get better. And you define what that is. That's a lot of things he can now oh. put into his plan to get better. Yeah, I think that's the cool part. Doc, what do you think about it? What do you like about it? I thought the day was great. In that, uh, don't worry, our fans are used. To it. <laughs> we got thrown a curveball. It's never happened in any of the camps I've been to, and I've been doing them for seven, eight years where we had a rain-up, and we made it work. They didn't get on the golf course, but they got a lot out of, you know, what we did in the time that we had a... What type of questions did you get? So I had a couple groups of kids and adults. had them ask questions, and adults, and it, it's always the same stuff. What do I do when I'm standing on the first tee and I'm nervous, or what do I do if I got a big lead and I get nervous, or what if I start poorly? It's all the same stuff. Whether you're... Uh, a tour winner or you're a beginner. I always say this, if I had a group of both those groups and they wrote questions on a note card and they handed them in, I wouldn't know the difference who, who wrote. It's all the same stuff. It's just simply about getting out of our own way. And I can't help people play better. I can help them play as good as they can play. That's what performance enhancement is. It's not giving people something to take with them that's going to make them play better. It's giving them some understanding so that they can get out of their own way so that they can access all the skills that they have. That's it. It's about accessing your skills. Nobody's got some magic bullet that no. takes a guy that shoots 80 yeah. and he's going to shoot 63 because he thinks... I mean, that's one thing, right. not to get on a kick here, but like I read stuff and they're performance coaches, mental coaches, and they're like, the only thing you're missing is mental coaching, right? Well, like, you could take a guy with a sh** grip wide open club face, throws it at the bottom, and you could coach the hell out of him from a mental perspective, and he could play as free as he could be, Yeah, and he's still not going to be any good. good. Right. You can, <laughs> right. Only do, you can only do so much. Right? right. I mean, like, yeah. we can't tell him to think better. But think the other liberating 60. thing, no, but the other liberating <laughs> thing that I think a lot of people... But you see those ads on people, Facebook. Totally. All you're missing is mental coaching. But people who come to me sucks. have been told by coaches or parents or friends that something's wrong with them and that they need to be fixed right in my message I've never seen anybody that needs to be fixed I help people understand what their thoughts mean that's it nobody needs to be fixed and that if you go to see someone because you think you need to be fixed and you assume they're gonna fix you that's a bad place to start so I mean, you said in a couple of those sessions the questions are all the same right it's all yeah. the same stuff and you're a coach you know you get the same stuff it's not rocket science so, like, he observed that young kid with chipping green mm -hmm. hitting 20 balls over and yeah, over yeah, and over. Yeah, that oh, no, that's so true, though, but he it's to bring up the hours the last two days. And, again, I don't know this kid. Maybe he enjoys doing it, but he wasn't getting better. Right. He's been out there four hours a day for two days. He did the same thing. We were talking about this. He, he yeah. hit, hit 20 balls, and he hit the same shot 20 times. And then yeah. he'd go do it again. And he'd go do it again. We're probably minus again. one listener. There's, <laughs> there. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's a big fan. And, and I'm not blaming the kid. Maybe he was enjoying what he was doing, but he wasn't getting better. Yeah. And then the second we introduced a little bit of competition in one of those drills, 
and you ask them after, hey, how'd that feel? It felt different, right? Like, uh, well, you all ask that kid to join? No, 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 no. But but they were practicing on the putting green, and then Cedric and Jim paired off. And they said, okay, let's have a putting contest. And they each hit one putt. I said, hold on, how'd that feel? And they said, it felt a lot different. He was watching me, and I felt like I had to make a putt. And that made a huge difference. Yeah, just hit one putt. Yeah, same thing. It is. And yesterday with the kids, remember? When, I don't use name, but when they missed a shot in the little competition. Andrew and John. They, they I mean, no, Jonathan and Stephanie. They immediately wanted to drop another one and hit another shot. They, no, no, don't do that. It's hard to do nothing. Right? It's hard to step away from a bad shot, but that's that's what that helps. And accept it. And accept it. And that's what golf is. Yeah, you don't have time to fix anything on the yeah. golf course. So we talk about this all the time. You want to get better? You want to take what you do in your lessons and bring it to the, the course? Practice that way. But people don't do that. Still, even there's research, there's research out there. People still don't do it. But it's hard. The point is, most people get injured or they get fatigued. There's not really anything beneficial. You develop a false sense of. I use this example so many times, and Morgan knows him so well because he's around us in Montgomery. But one of the best examples of that, we all know this kid, Ryan, you don't, but Dawson Farney. This kid's a muscle head, works out like crazy, but he's one of those kids that would hit 5,000 balls yeah. a day, and he wasn't getting better. He was going all over trying to get information. And we sat down one day, and we wrote him a practice plan where we limited him to a ball count. And like it was like you're allowed to hit 25 balls doing this, 25 balls doing that, and then 25 balls where you got to change targets and clubs each time, yep. and then you go do your putting drills. Go do, and the kid shot 66, and then like today he messaged me, he shot 69 and made the cut, stay down, right? Awesome. Like this was a kid that was shooting a bunch of, had a good golf swing, but shot a ton of 78s to 82s in JUCO. Like and you're like, you'd watch this kid, Mo, you've seen him forever, yeah. like. You watch his golf swing, you don't know how he shoots Wayne. You've seen him. Right, you don't know how the kid shoots sev- above 75, absolutely. right? But, like, he, this kid would hit, I'm not kidding you, he would hit a 1,000 balls a day. And I'd have people from all over and say, I mean, I'd go out to, I'd go out to the trail. I mean, and that kid, Dawson, all he does is practice. Like, that kid doesn't need to practice more. He needed to know what he was doing and get the hell out of there and go play some golf. You know, Tony uh, Ward, who we all know, old 13, oh, he yeah. had a good day today. And Ward came to me over the winter and had, had found a little bit of a rough patch. You know, uh, maybe a six-month period where he hadn't played very good. And, you know, he's a highly touted junior in college. You know, a lot of colleges were looking at him, and he was riding high. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe he didn't work as hard for a little while or, or just maybe just got in a little bit of a bad spot and struggled and he came to me this winter and I remember the day it was a pretty day but there's some clouds in the sky and you know he was at the point where he was swinging at it real hard every shot just killing it every single shot and I kept saying I kept saying you've got to slow your rhythm down and you know get everything more connected more together and to, to try to hit the ball more solid and so he's, he still wouldn't do it. And so that day there happened to be a, a break in the clouds and there was a real cloudy patch on the range and then there was a real sunny patch on the range and then another cloudy patch on the range. And I told him I wanted him to hit a 7-iron. Now he could clearly hit the 7-iron 200 yards because he's young, strong, a lot of speed. But I wanted him to hit the 7-iron and land it in the sunny patch, which was a half of a seven iron for him 
Well, we played a game for about 15 minutes. And, you know, first one was blast off, and the second one was blast off. And, and then he started knocking it in that patch, and lo and behold, the ball got more solid, and the ball got more solid. And that was, that was kind of the breakthrough moment back in February where he started hitting the ball solid again and kind of finding feel for his golf swing and, and realizing something had to change versus just standing up there and wailing at it and practicing all day, one shot, one shot, one shot. He had to do something different, and, and it changed his whole outlook on the game and his whole outlook on practice, and, you know, he's done well the last mm-hmm. couple months. Right, you know, right. He had a great day today, obviously. But, you know, I, I think people stand there and they hit the same shot over and over and over and over again, and, you know, it ends up really not producing anything after a while, you know. So you have to change that mentality, right? That's that's kind you of your job. You have to add a little novelty to what you're doing, something that's a little different. Right. So for the millions of listeners out there... I wouldn't call them millions. Here's something to do. <laughs> take 20 balls, or take hit 20 putts on a practice screen and take some notes on how it feels. And then grab somebody and hit one putt in a putting contest and see the difference. And you, you'll know right away the best way to practice. Right? You can see it today. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. We say this all the time. But sometimes it's so easy that we just overlook it. Or it's just not part of our regular routine. Yeah, I used to, I used to say to students with their practice, that the question I'd ask them is, is what you're doing right now replicating what happens on the golf yeah, course? Right. So if they're standing there with a bucket of balls or whatever, 50 balls with, with their 7-iron, and I ask them that question, the, the, an, the answer cannot be, yes, I take 50 balls with a 7-iron. <laughs> right, right, right. right. So, so, no, this isn't... But it is. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean, right? But So once, that, once I ask that question and they say, well, no, this is different, I say, okay, how can we actually make it so that we're replicating what happens on the golf course? Right. And I always say to people, you get one ball, one opportunity on the course. Yeah. It's annoying to practice this way because I was talking to you today, right, about yeah. the fact that people think, you know, the more balls we hit, the more practice we're doing, right? It's the like, better. yeah, so, and this obviously um, spacing and, and you know, variability to your practice is so essential. Yeah. A lot of amateur golfers just, you know, maybe they only have half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour to practice. So they think, you know, it's not worth my time playing, you know, par 18 around the around the short game area, perhaps, right? They, they think 50 balls off good lies is... Um, I actually saw a stat once. I can't remember where I saw it, but when it comes to chipping, I think it was 89% of your chip shots are not from fairway lies. Where does everyone practice their, their chipping from? Yeah. Fairway lies, right? Stock chip. Yeah. And I was saying to you, right, about that guy we saw today, he's just chipping off fairway lies to the most simple pin. Yeah. Yet his first shot of the day, or his first chip shot of the day, might come at the third, long rough, short flag. How's he going to play that? And if you're not preparing for that situation, you're not prepared for it. I use this example all the time, and these guys know this. So in 2019, Lucas Glover, who I worked with at the time, made the tour championship. Going into that year, I'd had. Peter Sanders, shot by shot, ran some stats for me. And to me, and it was, you know, the one thing that we needed to do was get better at up and down, right? And so our goal was to get better at the tour at the up and down percentage. And all we did all year, and we did it every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that I went out, Mm -hmm. was I would take, we would do 18 shots 
and he'd have to get 12 out of 18 up and down. Yeah. Right? Two out of three. In practice. Up and down. And every ball. Right. And, and they were random lies. Wherever the ball landed, and I would pick the hole, and when I would go to Bears Club and we would do it over there at the putting same thing, wherever the ball landed, I'd pick the shots and I'd pick the hole, and he'd have to chip them and then go put him in to get 12 out of 18. And every time he got more than 12, I owed him five bucks on the ball. Every time less, he owed me five bucks, and we'd Venmo back and forth, right? And going into the FedEx playoffs that year, he was fourth in scrambling. Wow. Right? That was pretty impressive. Right. Right? And I think he finished up somewhere eighth, tenth, somewhere in there, right? But, like, you know, for somebody that was, it was significantly less, and I don't remember what it was. But, like, I think that shows you, though, that, like, when you make that a priority and when you do random practice, like, I don't think he we... didn't change his technique. We didn't really change technique. We did a little work on some stuff, and we gave him a little drill to do where he rolled the spikes off of his right shoe so he couldn't back out of it. That was an old H.J. deal. Right. Right? But, like, that was all we did. Yeah. Right? Just and taught, it just right? made it a priority, but it made it competitive. And I, we do that all the time with, with kids. and It made it real. Right? It made it real. Yeah. And, yeah. like, he's competitive. And, I mean, like, it's five bucks. You know, I don't like Venmo, and he doesn't like it. Right? Yeah. But, like, he'd rather finish 40th than lose five bucks to you. Right. Right. right? You know what I'm saying? So, but but to me, that just showed, like, that was a very big thing for me coaching. was like, wow, like, you know, if you make it a priority, mm-hmm. and, you, and then you make it, random and competitive and more like what it is on the golf course because you watch all these people practice and they drop a bag of balls and then they hit the same damn chip and then they hit like after six or eight of them they hit 10 good chips yeah a monkey could hit 10 good chips we we couldn't have had a better example than this kid right yeah he was there the whole time and i kept pointing him out see this (laughs) he's your buddy i hope he's there tomorrow (laughs) but it was was such a contrast to what you're trying to teach like, this guy was doing the exact opposite of what you would teach Yeah. when it comes to practice. Now, again, this kid may have been having the best time of his life. If, that's okay. if you're doing that, that's great. that's great. But if you think it's going to help you play better golf, you've got to find a different way to do it. And that was the only point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, everyone was, everyone's happy. Everyone wanted to be there. It was good camaraderie for the day. There was no one, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really good. It was really good. Everyone was friendly, and that made me all feel very welcome. So I, I really appreciate it, and I, yeah, we I appreciate. Like we would like you to leave tomorrow, but well, I can. I can. <laughs> no, no, we don't want you. But, to. Um, first no, Australian fun, we've ever had. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, first it was really and last, good. probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not Australian. Just remember, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You're New Zealand. Oh, I'm a Kiwi. He doesn't. So. He doesn't know. The yeah, name. but yeah. you're you live in Australia now. Yeah. So you came from Australia to here. To him, you did yeah. not but come from New Zealand. He's not an Australian. Not an Australian. Yeah. No. I mean, is that, no. big a, that big a deal to you all over there, the difference? Well, it'd be the same thing as you saying you're a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, you, you, New Zealand and Australia have a, a, a bit of rivalry. So right. Don't, don't try, to, don't try to change this. I had someone early this. on in the trip say, well, you guys are basically the same, right? And that doesn't yeah, go no. down very well. So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I say a lot of stuff that offends people. <laughs> yeah. So it could have been me. Yeah. I normally like to start the day out where I offend somebody right away, so yeah. we just get it over. With. Just get it over. Normally with. it's more. Yeah. I'll offend her, <laughs> harass her, or something. Just get it over with. Yeah. Let's get the day going. Yeah. Hack, what'd you think? Come on, let's give us some wisdom from. Oh, I think it was enjoyable. But just teach them how to practice. That is, that's what we kept on telling too. Have a have a game plan instead of you know divide your time in the short game and full swing and. Put it down on paper. 
Yeah. Be committed to goals and learn that today too. Like it's hard sometimes in these camps for the better players to teach technique. Right? Like they they learn stuff. They have their technical stuff they do, but helping them with some of the practice. I'm talking short game. Sure. With some of the short game stuff, you teach them better ways to practice. It, it, it was beneficial. You know, Tony. I talked. I, I spent some time out there today with the with the couple good players, and I let them talk the guests or our students and talk to them about you know how they analyzed the shot, how they made their decisions, and how they decided what kind of shot they were going to hit. And, and and it was amazing just sitting back listening. You know, they come through so many different situations and conclusions. And they make the, they make those decisions very quickly because they played so much golf and they're really really good, right? So that all the stuff that's happening in their mind and their eyes is happening very quickly, and they they come to those conclusions. All right, this is what I'm going to do, and this is where I look, and I saw this, and I saw that, and I'm not going to hit the left of this pin. I'm going to hit it to the right of the pin because there's a little more backdrop, and just all the instinctual things that good players do. And you know, the thing I noticed was the students. Where you know they were all just sitting there thinking, well, I've just got to hit a really one hop spinner and stop it right there, and that wasn't at all what the good players thought. You know, they were they were looking at all the options and where they didn't want to go, where they did want to go, but all that was happening very quickly, and and it was amazing how much more they were thinking than handicap average handicap golfers think out there. They, you know, they're very cut and dried, and they're trying to get. They, they think they're just going to get it up and down because that's what they want to do. And, you know, one of my guys said, Patrick said that, you know, hey, if, if you can get this thing up and down and, and, you know, between two and a half and three and a half shots, you're doing really good. Get the expectations down a little bit to free up the anxiety to maybe hit a better shot and get it up and down instead of putting, oh, I've got to get this shot up and down. Or I'm supposed to get well, it got, Yeah, I've got, it's supposed to happen every single time when it really clearly isn't because it's a hard shot. And then the expectations get a little less, the, the calmness gets a little more, and maybe they can hit that great shot and get it up and down. You know, the students... They gravitated to that. And they liked that. They, you know, and all I tried to do was back up what the guys were saying with the fundamentals of how to do that, right? Yeah. How to help them hit the shot lower or higher or whatever right. the case may be. And the students really liked that because they, they clearly were listening to the good players, the better players, and they were clearly not thinking the same way when they were on the golf course with their buddies. You know, they were a totally different mindset and. It was interesting to see that the expectations of the better players were less than the expectation of the worst players. That's a pretty good point. Right? You know, the the great players, they were like, you know, I've hit it over here. I'm clearly not in a very good spot. This probably isn't going to work out real good, so I'm going to try to not compound the mistake. Well, the the worst, the player, they're hitting it over here, and they're thinking, well, hell, this ain't nothing but an easy up and down. <laughs> right. Again, right? The next thing they make triple, right? You know, so it was it was amazing the difference of, of the mindset of, of what the two were thinking. You know, and I also think it's and, and I've enjoyed doing this. I think it's really good to have players, especially our better players, go explain what they do to other players because I think I've had tour players say to me that we brought into this be like. I forgot what I'm supposed to be doing, right? When they go through and they start explaining what they do, and they're like, hell, I kind of, I don't do that as much. But, like, I think it's really good for a player to actually have to 
explain the process that they go through and what they're doing. Well, I think it helps them get in touch with what they need to do. Absolutely. The night at dinner, both of my guys, Drew especially, said, you know, that was really great today. I enjoyed that because he said it really made me think about how I was doing what I was doing. And it, it got him back on his track of, you know, maybe how he thinks a little better around the golf course than the average guy does. And it made him not fall in the, you know, because the great players, you know, they're out playing with their buddies, they're gambling every day, and they're getting ready for the next tournament two weeks from now, you know, waiting for tour school to come. And, and you know, clearly they can get lost in the dust a little bit doing that, just, you know, gambling day in, day out. And, and he said, you know, that today made him really think about his decision making and what he did. And it made him realize that he might have been a little lax in that area. Doc, know? is there something to explaining it, like, or making somebody go through it and verbalize it and telling people what they do? Does it do anything for them, or is that? Or uh, I think. Well, the example Wayne just gave it. It's not so much learning, but it it helps these guys reconnect with like what made them good. I guess. Yeah. Right. Like they forget about that stuff. You're exactly right. They get lost, and it becomes a grind, especially when you play professional. Like you forget about some of the stuff that got you to where you were. Right. So doing stuff like that, having them verbalize it or explain it to a beginner or someone who's out here just trying to get better, can can help them quite a bit. Yeah. Make them really think about what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I brought a guy to my. I don't know if this relates at all, but I brought a guy to my course the other day who who'd never played my course before, and I and I was verbalizing sort of like, where are you supposed to hit it on this course? And I realized, what a great golf course this is. Like, I never realized that because I just go through the motions, you're not that play. Same thing with these guys. Mm-hmm. They just go through the motions. They don't think about some of that stuff. And it's nice to be able to bring someone with them to explain to them what they do, to have them reconnect with some of that stuff. Right. Would you say that, that verbalizing what you're trying to do will narrow your focus? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Could could a little bit, or, or or more, just help them again reconnect with some Get of the stuff that they forget about. Focus. Yeah, because well, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the yeah the amateur golfers out there they they think of all the other outside stuff. You know, there's a bunker there, or there's a slope there, or I don't want to miss it here. If I chunk it, it's going to roll back down. True, that's right. As opposed to Focusing on where they want to hit it. Yeah, we're focusing on where they want to hit it. Obviously, if the technical elements don't allow them to, well, yeah. that's another story. But yeah. at least, you know, verbalizing it. Um, no, I think that's definitely yeah. beneficial Yeah, in that example, for sure. Because if you verbalize it, you're not really going to verbalize and say, right, I'm going to try and hit this shot here, and I'm going to try and land it here. Right. And I'm going to also try and avoid the bunker and avoid... Ch- like, well, you wouldn't say that. You right. wouldn't say that, right? right? So you're going to only verbalize the stuff you want Yeah, it gives them a little bit of an... It, we talked about hitting shots with intention. Yeah. This is how I want to hit the shot. This is how I want to see it fly. This is where I want it to go. I think that's a big thing with golf is what I've always thought is, you know, with everything we see on TV and all the lines get drawn on cameras and we, yeah. we dissect swings like, like crazy, right? But one thing we can't see in a player is what they're thinking. Right, so right. If, if, if someone verbalizes you know, that, that shot, then they're not going to be thinking of the external True. bunkers and all that. But if they're deep down, if they're not verbalizing it, yeah. we have no idea what they're thinking. We think that they're positive and no whatever they're doing, but they might be thinking, don't yeah, blade yeah. it over this, yeah, yeah whatever, right. right? So That's a good drill, actually, for you guys as teachers. If you're on the golf course with your students, have them verbalize yeah. out loud. Yeah, that's yeah. I do that a lot. Shots. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, you do that too. Like we do that yeah. a lot. Like, yeah, that, that's a fantastic drill. Some it, players can't. Some players can't actually do it. No, it's hard. It's They've hard. never done it. That's right. They're like well, most people yeah. haven't done it. That, yeah. That's a really Especially hard. Especially with juniors and up and coming players. Like the first times you actually ask them, they stumble around like they yeah. they're a bumble. Or they make they make they say what they think they're supposed to say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like oh, I'm really connecting with what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But that that that's a great drill, and it's it's hard to do, but it's really beneficial. Yeah. It, it's amazing how much more really, really good players are thinking and how much more they're seeing out there on the golf course than, yeah. than you think they are. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're looking at a little 30-yard pitch, and, you know, most people just look, well, it's, I'm going to aim it a little right because green slopes to the left. And Okay, well, they're seeing a whole lot more than that. They're, their minds are processing a whole lot more information than that, and they're processing it really quick while they make their decision and hit the shot in yeah. 30, 40 seconds. But they're seeing and thinking a whole lot more than I'm just going to aim this five feet right and yeah. hope it kicks to the left. They're seeing and doing a lot more than you think they are, that's for sure. Any parting shots? I think so. I think we covered some pretty good things. Doc, you were awesome this week. I got nothing more. Wait. Grow in the game. Grow in the game. <laughs> Grow in the game. Grow in the game. <laughs> Us and the tour and the loop tour, we're all growing the game. Yeah. <laughs> Mo, good work today. We're going to put you to work tomorrow. All right. You're jumping in. You're jumping in. Wayno, thanks as always. Leotards, you ready? (laughs) We're about to edit this. First one we've had to edit in a while. (laughs) Act, you're a beauty. (laughs) Can't wait for the OP Golf Academy. (laughs) Ryan, thanks for coming over and hanging out with us. Thank you. Mo, thanks as always. Doc, what would I do without you? Other, I'd probably be in a straight jacket. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you'd be better off. (laughs) <laughs> I don't feel bad about anything I do now. Though. That's good. So I got that going for exactly. me. Wayno, you're the best. That's good. We'll see you Thanks, soon. Thanks, Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to DewSweepersGolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.